Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth installment of my podcast, Fight Talk with Alan. So, pretty big week in MMA. Last weekend, we had the biggest heavyweight fight of all time between Stipe and DC. We had Sean O'Malley fight Marlon Vera. We had Jarzinho Rosenstrike for J- fight JDS. And it was a pretty good card for the most part. There were some surprises and some weird injury stuff that happened, like of eye poke and Sean O'Malley's leg breaking pretty much, or his foot. So I'll kind of recap that card, give my thoughts on everything that happened, not just the fight, but after the fight, who I think uh, the winner should fight, and some of the losers, and just kind of give my two cents about the card, because uh, there's a lot of controversy behind a lot of things going on right now on the card. And unfortunately, this week's fights are kind of trash, so I'll only talk about them for a little bit. It's Frank Edgar versus Pedro Munoz, and then the co-main event is Ovin St. Pru and Alonzo Menefield. Uh, I don't know if the UFC was trying to make the worst card po- possible, but if they were, uh, they succeeded tenfold. It's one of the worst cards in a while, but I mean, I'll still watch it. And Edgar and M- Munoz is not a bad fight, but it, it's kind of a thing where every week you have a fight, there's going to be some cards that are just not that good. Because they can't stack every card, especially the fight cards. So, that happens, and it is what it is. At least we got some fights this weekend. And then, another thing that happened is there's been a lot of fight announcements this week. So, Dana Dana White met with the matchmakers this week, earlier this week, like Monday, Tuesday. And they just uh, shooted some ideas off and talked about some matchups. And we got four or five big matchups that have been revealed, and I'll talk about those after. And then we also got some Bellator action this weekend with Ryan Bader, former UFC fighter, who is now the light heavyweight and heavyweight champion at Bellator. He's fighting a Russian guy named Vadim Nevkov. I don't really know Vadim that well, but Ryan's a great fighter, so I'll kind of talk about that. And that's pretty much the story of this podcast, and we'll just hop in. Let's go. All right. So, first fight I'll talk about is Jairzinho versus JDS. So, with this fight, JDS coming off two losses. Uh, Jairzinho just got knocked out two months ago against Francis. I was kind of leaning towards JDS because of the experience, and I just felt like he uh, he, he was like fighting Jairzinho at a good time. I thought it would be a similar thing to Francis and Derek Lewis. Jairzinho would be afraid to pull the trigger because he just got knocked out. So I thought that's what would happen, but I was certainly mistaken. And happily, I mean, I'm Jairzinho's a great guy, and I'm I'm happy to see that he's doing well. Uh, in the first round, it's hard for me to remember who won that round, but it seemed pretty even. And in the second round, um, not much action was going on, but they were just kind of getting a feel out. It was more it was a, uh, more of a kickboxing match, but I would have liked for JDS to go for some takedowns probably. That would have helped, but. Uh, I think like two minutes in, Jarzinho with that right hand straight from Suriname hit JDS, uh, knocked him on his ass, and then hit him a couple more times on the ground, and good stoppage by, I think it was Herb Dean, and that's the story of that fight. Jarzinho got a knockout, but the only thing that sucks for Jarzinho is all the top guys in the UFC heavyweight division, they pretty much already have fights, like He's not going to fight for the belt. Steepy's going to fight Francis. 
they just announced Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis in November. And I was thinking Jairzinho could fight Curtis Blades, but I guess they gave Curtis Blades uh, Derek Lewis. And he's like fourth or fifth, so he's right under those guys. And the guys that are below him are Alistair and JDS, who he's already fought and beat, so that doesn't make sense to fight them again. And then the, the guy below him is like Volkov and then Augusto Sakai. So I'm thinking maybe he can fight someone like Volkov in a, like in a couple months if he feels fresh and ready or if he wants to be active. Or he could fight like a newcomer like Augusto Sakai. Uh, something along those lines, a top 10 guy if he wants to stay active, which he probably should. He probably He's not in, in a spot where he can just wait for a Curtis Blades or a, a Francis. I don't think he would want to fight Francis, to be honest again. But he's on the spot where he can just wait for fights. He should probably be active and just keep knocking guys out and keep doing what he's doing because he looked good in that fight. He seemed very patient, very poised. But the thing is, he did beat JDS, JDS which is probably his best win to date. But uh, I don't know if he's ready for that next level still. You know, he fought Francis and lost in 20 seconds, so we'll see. I'm excited for his future, though. And then JDS... His last three fights have been emphatic knockouts. It, uh, it was Francis first, then uh, Charzinho, and somebody else knocked him out. I don't know if it was Stipe, but nonetheless, he's been knocked out emphatically three times. And, like, he's been knocked out five times total out of his, like, six losses or whatever. So JDS gets knocked out a lot. And he's suffering a lot of brain trauma. I'm guessing he's probably not going to retire because, I mean, he still loves the sport. He still loves competing. And it's that old thing of, like, what is he going to do if he doesn't fight? He's probably going to be bored. He's uh, born and bred for fighting. So I'm guessing he's probably going to still fight. And maybe he could fight someone like Augusto Sakai or Alexander Volkov. I don't know. With the, with the heavyweight division, it's it's there's not a lot of newcomers really. There's not a lot of new guys that are like just killing it and knocking everybody out, you know. It's it's kind of an older division, and it's become the same guys just fighting each other constantly, and having like Stipe at the top, and you got Francis in the top. Uh, now DC at the top, but he left, but now he's retired. So it's kind of a weird division. But yeah, JDS, he, he'll find a fight wherever. Top 15 guy, you know. So there's that. And then the co-main event was interesting. Uh, it's not how I wanted it to go down, but it's the fight game. Shit happens, you know. But uh, I would say for Sugar Sean, uh, he looked good in the first round. He threw some good kicks. But ultimately, he injured his the same leg that he injured in that Andre Sukumtat fight uh he bro i think he broke his foot i'm pretty sure and you could tell right away i'm i think he either marlon checked a kick or he threw a leg kick and it hurt sean sean's uh foot but you could just tell right away there was a bit of a limp and he stopped throwing at all when he had the limp and he was trying to he was kind of trying to box marlon but as soon as Marlon saw that there was an issue with his leg, his cor corner called it out. He targeted the leg, and he eventually got him down. Sean couldn't really stand, and he hit him with a punch and an elbow. And Herb Dean, being the great referee that he is, 
knew that Sean O'Malley's not going to finish that fight out. I mean, the thing is, if Sean O'Malley just slipped and he got hit by that elbow, Herb Dean is smart enough to give him time because he's not injured. But if you have a broken leg, a broken foot, which he did, he couldn't stand. He had to go out on a stretcher. You can't win a fight, really. Like, it's it's not for a championship belt. It's not. It's like a top 15 fight. I know Sean O'Malley's a very popular guy, but you can't fight a fight with a broken leg. And obviously he couldn't. He couldn't even walk. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like jump off the bandwagon. I did pre predict Marlon Vera to win, but I'm not gonna jump off the bandwagon just because he lost, because uh, he broke his foot. Now I'm not gonna take away from Marlon Vera though, because Marlon Vera fought a pretty smart fight, and he. It's not his fault that Sean O'Malley broke his leg, and he might have caused that. Who knows? What I think it is is probably that Sean O'Malley has some issues with his foot, and he didn't really get that fixed in his time off. And I think for his age, he's 24 years old. Uh, right now for Sean, I would probably take a little break and just figure out your health. Because although his last couple fights, he's been knocking guys out in the first round. And he hasn't really ha had to worry about his leg. When you fight a guy like Marlon Vera and these guys above him, you're going to have to... You're going to have an issue. If you have an issue with anything on your body, it's going to be uh, taken advantage of, you know? Especially with your legs. You can't... If you can't walk, you can't. You can't walk, you can't kick. You're not gonna be able to win fights. So you gotta get you gotta get that fixed, and it's better to get a fix now because he's young, and he still has time to develop. So for Sean, I would tell him to take a little break because he fought not too long ago, and I I respect that he wants to be active because he took that long break. But for now, I'll just get healthy, man, and just go ba go back into it. And yeah, it sucks that that's how it ended. You know, it would have been nice for Marlon to get a better win because people are undermining him and saying that he didn't deserve the win, but Marlon Vera did what he needed to do, and he saw that his leg was compromised, and he had to end the fight quick. So, good on Marlon Vera. So, for Sean, take a little break. Um, fight a... I don't know if he should fight a top 15 guy when he comes back, maybe under 15 fighter, because he's still young. Uh, get a little tune-up fight, see how that leg feels. And just get all that shit figured out before you start worrying about fighting Cody Garbrandt and these top 10 guys, you know. And then for Marlon Vera, um, I'm kind of looking at a guy that fought on the same card. His name is Marab. What the hell is his last name? It's like Valishvili. It starts with a D, but I'm pretty sure it's one of those weird names where you don't pronounce the, uh, the D. He's from Russia or something, so I think his name is like Murad, Murab Valishvili, something like that. But he fought John Dotson, and he beat him pretty decisively. Couldn't really take John Dotson down, because John Dotson has great balance and good takedown defense, but the guy has cardio for days. He wasn't really tired. He just is on you like glue, just keeps coming forward throws some cool strikes, spinning attacks. It'd be interesting to see two guys that are very active fighters have good cardio and like to uh, throw uh, and our top 15 guys fight. It would be kind of cool to see that fight. So that's kind of a fight I'm looking at for Marlon Vera next. And I think that'd be a good fight for him and his future, as well as Marab's future. Marab's a guy to look after. If if you're trying to think of any low-key low guys in, these top, in, these, uh, in the UFC, that could possibly win a championship or like move up the ranks at least. I would look at Marab. He's he seems like he's he's legit. A win over John Dotson is no easy task.
And then you got the main event, the biggest heavyweight fight in UFC history, DC versus Stipe. So this fight was pretty important, and there's a lot going on. So I'm going to just talk about every round, try to remember every round, see what happened. So first round, it was kind of a feeling out process. And I will say Stipe looked physically better in this fight than he did in the previous two fights. I think he weighed the the least he did, or maybe he weighed a little less in the second one, actually. He weighed about like 235-ish, something like that. But he looked really slim and super fit. So I don't know if he's taking a, more of an approach to strength and conditioning, but he looked very good. And DC looked aight. He, he looked alright, you know. He, he looked like typical DC, nothing crazy, but he is older, so he's not going to look crazy good. I mean, who knows? But, uh, yeah, the first round was more of a feeling out process. Uh, Stipe seemed like he was winning most exchanges, but it was pretty, it was pretty even. I, I thought Stipe won the first round when I watched it the first time, but looking back at it, it was very close. It was honestly the closest round, and I, I, I probably would have given it to DC because the biggest uh, strike of the first round was DC wobbled Stipe and legitimately wobbled him. Like, he was on uh, rubber legs for a little bit. Luckily, it was at the end of the round. He composed himself, and he was good. Then came the second round. Stipe won the clinch war, which was the, which was a big story in the fight, in my opinion. He landed better shots, landed more shots on DC, and one big thing I want to talk about is that it seemed like in this fight, you could kind of tell that DC isn't a real heavyweight. Like, Stipe's a real heavyweight, and I think that's a big reason why he won the clinch war. And he also had some film on DC on the previous two fights on the, on the clinch, so that's why. But you could just tell DC is... A s much smaller man than uh, uh, Stipe, and that does uh, that does matter a lot. You know, it's it's not easy just to put on 30 pounds and go up to heavyweight and fight the same because these they're different up there. The heavyweight is different. They are a little slower, but in the clinch where DC strives and he's very good in the clinch, he couldn't really do much against Stipe. Stipe was holding him against the cage a lot and winning, getting underhooks against DC, which kind of confused him, and he was also uh, boxing him, he had much slicker boxing, Stipe was moving his feet re really well in in the first couple rounds, which he didn't do in the f uh, in the second fight, or the first fight, he was kind of stuck in the mud, but he had much slicker boxing in the third round and fought very well, so the second round, third round, Stipe's rounds just outstruck him, and, and then the second round he knocked him down, I believe, right? It was the second round, yeah. But it was like 10 seconds left, and he was on top of him. The, uh, DC was just holding on for dear life, and the round ended. And then the th in the third round, Stipe got the infamous eye poke at the end of the round and landed some shots as well. Won that round. Mark Goddard didn't see an eye poke. I didn't, know, I didn't see an eye poke right away. But then on the replay, you could see pretty bad eye poke. But they didn't stop the fight. And DC actually won the fourth round with a bad eye, so good for him. And that was a, that was a good round for DC. It was the best round of, of the night. And then in the fifth round, same same as the second and third round. I don't think the second, third, or fifth round were close at all. 
If I had to score the fight, I would probably say it was 3-2 to Stipe, but I would I would call it pretty emphatic a pretty emphatic win because the three rounds that he did win, he won them emphatically, and the two rounds that DC won, they were closer. And you could tell that Stipe was the stronger guy, was the cleaner striker, and he won the clinch war. A big storyline going into this fight was DC's wrestling. How's DC going to uh, control Stipe? He's going to win the early rounds because of his wrestling. The small cage is going to help DC because of the wrestling. Just He's going to single leg him constantly. But what Stipe did a good job of that people don't know is he prevented Daniel from going inside and getting those single legs. And he also did a good job of in clinching. The, the biggest issue with uh, the first fight in Stipe, obviously, is the clinch. So Stipe would do over-under. He would uh, he would grab... So over-under is when you have one overhook and one underhook. And that is what caused the knockout. Because after Stipe left the clinch... DC's a smart guy, and he sees that after he leaves the clinch, he leaves his chin open. So if DC has uh, the overhook on the left side, and he grabs Stipe's head, and he has the underhook on the right side, he can grab Stipe's head, and then when they leave the clinch, he can go with an overhand right on Stipe's, uh, Stipe's chin, which creates a knockdown, and it created a knockout for him in the first fight. So what Stipe did to... Uh, stop that is look for underhooks as well as when it, when they got in the clinch he would grab DC's right hand so he couldn't throw a punch when he, they exited the clinch so and and then on the contrary DC did a good job of making adjustments as well uh, P, some people said this was a, the most boring fight but I enjoyed this fight more than the first two my, to be honest because I like when guys make adjustments and they try to fight the best way they can to win the fight. And DC fought pretty well, man. I'm not going to lie. He fought well. He fought he fought pretty well. But it's just Stipe's better. And, but, but that's beside, what's, I was kind of getting off point there. Uh, what DC did a good job of is not letting Stipe go to the body, because that was the story of the second fight, right? Uh, Stipe went to the body in the fourth round, and he just, because, like, DC would put his hands up, and then uh, Stipe would just go to the body, dig to the body. But, DC didn't get cocky, and he kept a good boxing stance, so it was tough to, for Stipe to go in and get those body shots, because when he tried to, he would get hit with a shot as well. So, there was that. Um, some other things that happened. Uh, DC tried to go for a takedown, but Stipe is a really good wrestler and very good defensively. Uh, he doesn't really try to go for takedowns that much, unless it's the matchup kind of goes for like obviously against France he's gonna go for takedowns why wouldn't he against Marconi he's gonna go for takedowns why wouldn't he but he's very good defensively so when DC went for takedown he did get him down but Stipe got up right away and Stipe won the clinch war he got up 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 against the cage and that was kind of the story for me in the fight and for the eye poke I will say it was it was the worst eye poke of the three fights but I mean where were where were people when DC I poked Stipe in the first fight and then 30 seconds after DC knocked him out? Where were they in the second fight when he I poked him? Where were they when Stipe was getting eye surgery because of those eye pokes? Where were they when DC I poked him in the first round of the last fight they just had? I mean, it's not like it happened intentionally. And I, I think 
people are just looking for an ex uh, DC fans are just looking for an excuse to give Stipe shit. Like I understand people are sad that DC r didn't retire as champion. And I mean, when I watched the post-fight interview, DC was cool enough to give a post-fight interview with Joe Rogan and you know, it it tugged at my heartstrings heart too to be honest because I I love DC. He's a good he's a good dude and I've always been a fan of him. Um but feelings aside, he he didn't deserve the win, you know, and he, he eye poked him too. So it's not like Stipe was extending his hands and going for eye pokes on purpose. That's not the story. It just happened. It was a freak incident, and DC wouldn't have wanted the fight to stop anyways. And he and let's say he won that fight because Stipe poked him in the eye. He, his legacy would be tainted as well. I think, you know, he came back and won that fourth round, and and then he fought that fifth round as well. But. I don't know, I just feel like people are looking for an excuse to give Stipe shit. You know, Stipe's been the underdog his whole career, and that's one of the reasons I like him so much, because, I don't know, for some reason, like, he just beat Daniel Cormier twice, and his next opponent is supposed to be Francis Ngannou, and he's an underdog against Francis Ngannou, who he beat in a five-round fight. I just don't understand, like, what it is about Stipe that people, I don't think they dislike him, I just think they don't think he's... A, as good of a fighter as he is. I mean, when you look at the man's resume, he's beaten everybody that he's come across. There's not a guy in the division that he hasn't beat other than, like, Derek Lewis or, like, Curtis Blades. But that's just because they've never fought for a belt and he was the champ. You know, he'd, be, he'd beat those guys too. But if he beat those guys, like, people would still find excuses. They would say, ah, he knocked out an old JDS. He beat an old DC, an poke DC. He beat an old Alistair Overeem. He wouldn't beat Fedor in his prime. He wouldn't beat Kane in his prime. It's like, pe people always look for excuses to give fighters shit. And it's annoying because Stipe is a very good fighter. He has good boxing. He has good wrestling. He's a good size for the division. He has a good chin. He has really good cardio. I mean, he's the total package. He's not Francis Ngannou who's going to knock out a guy in, in the first round with these crazy-ass punches. But a guy like Francis Ngannou, that style only takes you so far. I mean, you can knock out these guys like JDS and Jairzinho and Curtis Blades, but what happens when you fight someone like Stipe, when you fight someone like DC? Like, your your worst attributes are going to be exposed, and you're going to have to fight with your worst attributes. Stipe had to fight DC, who is a great wrestler, and he negated the wrestling from DC in pretty much all the fights. It's pretty impressive when you look at it. And... It made me even a bigger fan of Stipe that he's an underdog always. But, I don't know. He just, just There's certain fighters that just, like, people attach to, like Francis. And there's certain fighters that people just think are not that good, like a Stipe or like an Alexander Volkanovsky. He's getting a lot of shit, and he beat Max Holloway twice. They wanted to fight him a third time. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that he's not, like... Uh, in the media that much, that he doesn't talk that much, because he's just like a simple family guy, he's a firefighter, so I don't know what it is, I mean, I'm kind of biased towards uh, Stipe, and he's also Croatian, so naturally I'll, I'll uh, root for Croatian or Serbian or Bosnian fighters, but he deserved that third win, he made great adjustments from the first fight, and I'm excited to see him keep fighting and keep proving people wrong.
And one thing I love about Stipe too, it's that he doesn't really give a fuck what you think about him. He doesn't care that people think he didn't deserve that win because he just shows up, fights, and gets the fuck out, goes back to his family. I love that. So, there's the analysis for that card. That one's done. Great card, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. So, next we got uh, Ryan Bader fighting Vadim Nemkov. So, I kind of want to talk about Ryan Bader a little bit. He's been fighting for a while. I can remember him fighting since I was like nine years old when he was on the Ultimate Fighter uh, on the Frank Muir versus Noguera, uh, the no uh, Frank Muir Noguera one which he won, and Bader was always a good fighter, but he just couldn't get over that hump, getting because uh, he lost to guys like Glover Teixeira, Anthony Johnson, you know, John Jones, DC, he, he can never really, he didn't lose to DC, but he can never get to that upper echelon level of guys, so he's like, fuck it, I'm going to go to Bellator where I'm more appreciated, where I get more money, and he did it right, he hasn't lost in Bellator since, I think he's had like five or six fights, closest one was against Phil Davis, who's a great fighter, and he is now the champ champ. He has the light heavyweight title and the heavyweight title, and now he's defending his light heavyweight title, I believe, against Vadim Nev Nemkov, who just came off a win over Phil Davis and Liam McCary. Should be a good fight. Uh, I'll, I'll probably take fa B Bader over Nemkov. I don't know too much about Nemkov, but Bader's a good wrestler, he has really good striking, and he's a big guy for the division, so I'm going to go with uh, Bader by second round KO. But I will check that fight out because although the card isn't crazy, uh, a Ryan Bader fight is always entertaining. And then we got Frank Edgar versus Pedro Munoz. Uh, like I said, terrible card. Uh, not much on the line. I mean, if Munoz wins, it just get some another win and then I'll fight someone like a fucking who's he gonna fight maybe like a Corey Sanhagen Merlin Marais whoever wins that fight like a Jose Aldo I don't know but he'll fight someone along those lines uh Frank Edgar he's moving down a weight his last fight was in uh, was on the featherweight division which he lost to Chan Sung Jung and the thing with this is I don't know if people know this but Frank Edgar has spent the most time in the octagon out of anybody in history so when you talk about someone that has a lot of miles on it on on him frankie is the first in that category of having a lot of miles on you as a fighter and i think that's just kind of caught up with him he's lost his last two fights max holloway domination chan sung jung uh i think he won a fight before that but then he lost to brian ortega by knockout and i just think Munoz is a young, fresher guy. He's got that knockout power. He's also really good at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so if Edgar takes the fight to the ground, which I think he will, uh, I feel like Pedro can scramble at least and throw up some submissions to make Frankie escape, and then he can go up on the feet, which is his advantage as well. So I'm probably going to take Munoz with this one. He's young, hungry. Uh, got a, he's got a good chin. He ha he's stronger than Frankie. I don't think Frankie's just going to be able to dictate the wrestling and just take him down and hold him there, which is the only avenue I see for Frankie for or winning the fight. Uh, for this one, I'll go with Frank Edgar or uh, <laughs> Pedro Munoz by third round KO.
And it might be submission, but and if it was a submission, it's gonna be by guillotine probably. But I'll go with the KO, since I think I just think Frankie's a little too old and he's past his prime. But nonetheless, a legend. And for his age and for the amount of time he's fought, he's not fighting that bad. But it's just Father Time's the only undefeated fighter, and Pedro Munoz is gonna prove that this Saturday, I believe. And then we got Ovin St. Pru against Alonzo Menafield. Alonzo Menafield came from the Contender Series. Uh, pretty pretty big guy. He's got some knockout power. Uh, kind of reminds me of Ovin St. Pru in a way because of he's a pretty green fighter. He's a good athlete. I think he's a former football player. And with this fight, I just think experience will prevail. I think Ovin's is a better grappler. He can win that part of the fight. And Ovin's got has some good hands too, and he has some uh, leg attacks as well. Uh, so I'll probably go with Ovin St. Pru by decision. I don't know how entertaining this fight will be. I mean, it could be a good knockout, but I don't know. Ovin, Ovin St. Pru fights seem to be a little slower nowadays, but uh, I'll go with him by decision. Or he could get a submission possibly in the, like the second or third round if he gets Menafield down to the ground because I don't know how good Menafield's cardio is, but I'm sure with those big muscles and how he throws every strike with bad intention, after the first round and a half, he'll probably get a little tired. So Ovens can take him down and maybe submit him. But I'll go with Ovens by decision. And that's that for that card. So next we got some fight announcements. The UFC matchmakers met up this earlier this week and created some great fights. And probably the biggest story of the week is John Jones vacated his light heavyweight title. Uh, this obviously spells John Jones's uh, ascent into the heavyweight division. Dana White said that Stipe is going to fight Francis first, so I'm um, guessing John's going to wait for that fight to happen, which might take a while to be honest, because Stipe literally just fought. So I'm thinking probably Stipe and Francis in December. I was thinking John would probably fight for his for his belt against somebody like a Dominic Reyes later this year, and then go up to heavyweight. I just kind of avenged that loss, or not avenged, he didn't lose, but it was a close fight, maybe win that more dominantly and then go up to heavyweight. But this could be a good thing for John because he needs to put up a lot of a lot of weight and eat more and gain more strength so he, he can uh, go fight comfortably in the heavyweight division. Because you can't just put up, you can't just uh, eat, you can't just like uh, walk around and have the same training regimen you do at light heavyweight and then fight at heavyweight because uh, your, your body needs to be kind of ready for the weight adjustment. Going up in weight isn't as easy as just going up in weight. You have to kind of prepare for it if you want to do it successfully. That's why it takes guys a, a while to go up in weight because they have to prepare their bodies to uh, get feel good at that weight to fight because they will be a little slower and they won't be as strong as guys that are cutting weight in that division. So John's a smart guy. He know, He's aware of that, and he'll probably take a little break and fight next year. I, I don't think we'll see John Jones this year fight, fighting, unfortunately. So there's that, and Dominic Reyes is fighting Jan Blachowicz for the belt. The, it was supposed to be a non-title fight for the number one contender spot, but it's uh, going to be now for the light heavyweight championship. And I read somewhere on Instagram, is a crazy stat. The last time that anybody has held the light heavyweight title 
other than John Jones in DC, has been like 1,370 days. That's fucking insane. That's like, what, 40? How many, how many years is that? I don't know, it's been a while. But I think the last guy that held it was uh, Shogun. I think Shogun was the last guy to hold the light heavyweight title. And then fucking John Jones beat him in like 2012. So what, it's been like eight years since either of them have been, ch uh, neither of them have, has been champ. So in September on the same card as Adesanya versus Costa, now we got a double headliner uh, championship fights. And Dominic Grace is going to fight Jan Blachowicz for the belts. And we're going to get a new champion in the light heavyweight division for uh, the first time in eight years. So that'll be exciting. I think so, that's a pretty exciting fight. It's gonna that's gonna be a good card. Now you got two belts on that card: Adesanya and Costa, and Reyes and Blahovich. Both gonna be great fights. Uh, Reyes can avenge that John Jones loss, which is controversial, and maybe beat Blahovich and win that belt now. And maybe he can be the new king of the light heavyweight division, and fight all the newcomers that come with that. Get some new blood in that division. And yeah, I've only as long as the light heavyweight division has been. Alive, and I've watched UFC. I've always known John Jones to be at the the king of the light heavyweights. But before John Jones, the belt was being passed around like nothing. It was uh, Clinton Rampage Jackson had it for a little bit, and then Forrest Griffin had it, then Sugar Rashad, Rashad Evans had it, then Leonardo Machida had it, then Shogun had it, and then John had it, and then he vacated or uh, he uh, went away, and DC had it for a little bit. But John's always been the king of that division. He's done everything that he could in that division. So now it's only it's only uh, proper that he goes up to heavyweight and tests his skills there against the baddest guys on the planet, especially guys like Stipe or Francis. Those fights are big sellout fights, and with fans there, that would be sick to watch. Or with no fans, I mean, they, it would be awesome anyways, but with fans there, it would be way sicker. And I think that's what they're waiting for. But there's that. Then you got... Brian Ortega versus Chan Sung Jung, the Korean Zombie, in October. Uh, I don't think that's going to be on the Khabib card. I think it's going to be on its own separate card for a fight night. This is the third time I think they're trying to make this fight. The first, uh, first time, I believe it was Ortega that got an ACL tear. And the second time, I believe the fight was supposed to be in like February. And then COVID hit. Or uh, March, something like that. And then COVID hit and UFC had to cancel a bunch of cards because they couldn't have them live. So, there was that. Uh, that's going to be a really exciting fight. Two great grapplers and Chan Sung Jung, one of the best boxers in the UFC. And whoever wins that fight has a good shot of fighting for the belt. I mean, Chan Sung Jung has been on a roll lately. Ortega, his last fight was against Max Holloway, which is a while ago. But if he beats the Korean Zombie, that's gonna be that's gonna put him right into title contention, and that'd be an interesting matchup with him and Volkanovski. So that's happening in October, and then you got Forever Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva, <laughs> old Anderson Silva fighting Uriah Hall in October. Oh man, when I saw that when I saw that headline, man, I was a little sad, because Anderson Silva. Maybe maybe people don't remember, but uh, he was like the guy for a decade. Like if Anderson Silva was fighting, you were watching. He was the first fighter that I got emotionally invested in his fights. Like I always watched UFC when I was younger, 
but there was something about Anderson Silva, the way he fought, man, it was, it was like watching a movie, the, like, people think watching Conor fights, and, like, John Jones fights is hella exciting, and it is, but there was something about Anderson Silva's energy in that cage, man, when he turned it on, it's tough to say anybody was better at that time, man. He was he was the best in the world for a long time, and he was the most entertaining fighter in the world for a long time. And seeing him just continually fight and be a shell of himself and lose these fights that these guys wouldn't touch him in his prime, it's just like, what are you doing? It's sad. I mean, I guess he's got nothing better to do. It's quarantine. He's in Brazil chilling. He's like, hey, may as well fight your eye hall. I mean, it'll be a... I guess it'll be a cool fight, two strikers, but I just don't want to see Anderson Silva fight because now I'm 20 years old and I just I'm seeing a, sh a shell of himself fight again. GSP did it the right way; he fought in his prime and then he left uh, unscathed. But I don't know. Silva just wants to keep fighting, I guess, and can't defend him from doing what he wants to do. But it's gonna be tough to watch. And that's happening in October. Uh, I don't know if that's on its own separate card or if it's on the Habib card. But we'll have to wait and see. And then you got Curtis Blades against Derek Lewis in November. Uh, I was thinking Curtis Blades would probably fight Jarzinho. But Lewis is ranked a little ahead. So that's a pretty interesting fight. You got Blades who's a primarily a, a grappler. You got Lewis who's primarily a striker who's aggressive. And the winner of that fight, uh, I don't know, the heavyweight division is kind of weird because if you win that fight, do you really get a title shot? Or does John Jones just come in and get a title shot, you know? Probably John Jones get, comes in and gets a title shot, but uh, you have to stay active, obviously. And these guys want to stay active and they want to fight at the end of the year. So it's it's a little strange. They're not fighting for much, but it's obviously better to win than to lose, so... That's going to be a good fight. It's always good when heavyweights fight. I think it's going to be its own headliner on a fight card in November. So that's going to be a cool fight. And I think there was some other fight announcements too that I can't remember. I think Charles Oliveira was announced to fight Islam Makachev. But then I saw that they changed it to Benil Dariush. And that's supposed to be on the Habib card. I was kind of hoping for the Islam Makachev fight. Because that's actually a super interesting style matchup. And I love Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev. But Benil Dariush is cool too, so we'll have to see how that one unfolds. And that's about all I got for today's podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and have a good weekend. Peace!